Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me, whether you are joining by listening on the podcast or you're watching on um, this as a webinar. Thank you. A little bit of an introduction. If you don't know me, I'm Gillian Tabor. I'm um, David's sort of resident physio and uh, sort of person that's interested in performance and rehab. And as part of uh, my sort of scheme of things that I wanted to talk about, I came up with the topic of studs. And Uh, you may, and I hope you did, you filled in our survey that we sent out recently. And I'm really grateful for those that did because we had over a thousand responses to it. And we're going to be talking about that. And if you're interested in that in depth, you'll find that in the members area of uh, the Dr. David Marlin website and on the Facebook page. But this podcast, uh, I'm really excited to say that I've got a guest to talk to. And uh, I'm going to hand over to him to introduce himself. But um, thank you for joining me, Alex. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, my name is Alex. I work for Super Studs Limited and we specialise in making self-cleaning studs for horses. So you don't need to constantly reuse your tap, making it a lot easier, faster and safer than your conventional studs. Oh, fantastic. Now, um, the reason that Alex is actually here is um, a sort of a personal story. So I'm a Pony Club mother. 
I was at the Pen Club National Champs in August and uh, like all um, connections with riders, especially Pony Club mothers, you want to have everything as perfect as possible. And we were having little panics about studs, what to put in and uh, what the ground was going to be like for the to triathlon because it was the biggest course that my uh, daughter was facing. Um, so I went up to Alex and basically grilled him and he stood there and he coped with all my questions um, and answered them. And she did really well. So, you know, maybe uh, a little bit of a, uh, a reason for it is your studs. You know, I'll say that. But um, I thought it'd be really good. And I'm very grateful for Alex to be here so that I can ask him the same questions that I did um, on his trade stand. But uh, he can share that information with you. So first question, really obvious one. Why do horses need studs in their shoes? So horses need studs to not only stop them from slipping, but also to give them confidence, the rider confidence, family members that are watching confidence, because no one wants to see you sliding into a fence and potentially causing an injury. And it does knock your confidence uh, and the horse's confidence if they do slip. So we tend to use studs just to stop the slipping from happening. Um, And like I say, give give you that confidence. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a good point, as, especially when the ground is, um, you know, it, it can be changeable and you can train on perfect ground and then you can go out and the ground's not going to be so good. And actually, what that was one of the questions that we asked um, in the survey. And yeah, it, it was about preventing slipping and people were talking about it on um, grass, but interestingly, on artificial surfaces uh, and also on asphalt, on tarmac, because some of our that's, that's a tricky one. A lot of people think you don't need to stud on hard ground, and you always probably I say probably say later and throughout the podcast, you always want the smallest stud you can get away with, regardless of the ground. But you mentioned uh, the tarmac, and the tarmac we've got in the UK is actually incredibly slippery, especially on the metal shoe, mm-hmm. uh, which is where you put things like either your road pins or road studs, because you do need that grip on the hard surface. Otherwise, you just end up skating down a hill, for example, which might not work too well no. Um, but no there's a lot of people think you only need studs in really wet ground conditions because that's when you're going to slip but the harder grounds as well are actually very slippery um so you tend to tend to stud for those as well yeah and um some of our members that were uh, answering the survey were involved in carriage driving marathons and I, I think when they're on that surface they use them potentially more than you know um the the um sort of olympic discipline types or or hacking as well uh, in really really deep going does the stud really give us that much of an advantage because the whole foot's going to go into the ground yeah so we we have studs ranging from rock solid ground to incredibly boggy ground but we always say to people i've probably said to yourself at uh, pony club if the ground's that bad you think that you they're the only options the two extremes the ground's probably too bad to be competing the horse at the same time mm-hmm. so then it's <clears throat> excuse me it's that balancing act of when do you pull out of the competition because you might cause damage to the horse and when do you go actually no we can still do this with these studs mm-hmm. uh, there's no right or wrong answer you do have to learn what your horse likes and and doesn't like um and basically use the horse to understand when you need to be thinking of pulling out of the competition well that's a really valid point isn't it the individuality that you know we know with um 
and trainers talking about racehorses don't know they have horses that like to go on the top of the ground and horses that like you know deep growing or or like it's concrete you know they they you know they perform better and I guess you need to know with your own horse yeah that's a good yeah. point um before we go on to talk about studs even more but can you ask answer me when should we not put studs in is there any time that you would say mm, no if your horse is quite sure-footed then we tend to say you can get away with not putting the studs in mm. uh, but as I said at the start they're not only there to stop you from slipping they're also peace of mind for as I say horse rider and spectators um so if you're if you've got confidence in your horse and you know your horse is sure-footed then you could probably get away with not putting the studs in and then if you felt we're slipping slightly then you just start off with very small studs and you work up from there um but no like i say if the horse is quite sure-footed you could probably get away without putting the studs in so we don't necessarily need to follow the trend of, um, you know, the everybody else or the other pony club mothers, for instance. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that is a big, a big factor. That, uh, it's very disconcerting when you're at a show studying up and you're there putting tiny little studs in or no studs. Mm. And the people next to you putting massive things and you think, well, do they know something I don't? Do I need to be doing this? And yeah, no, you know your horse better than anyone that's there. You stick with what what you've done and know how your horse works yeah yeah and no, i think that's really good okay so one of the questions that we asked um in the survey was how many stud holes to have now this is going to open um a can of worms it's going to be controversial and um i think if i just ask you um if you're willing what your thoughts are on the sort of front and hinds and then i'll show you what the uh what the survey said so as you said, there is a, a lot of debate about one or two studs. Personally, for me, I would always use two studs all round. So, <clears throat> excuse me, eight studs total. I know there are some people who say only backs, one per stud. There is no right or wrong answer. Every, As I say, every horse is different. Uh, excuse me. We tend to find that um, horses actually go, 99% of the time, tend to go better with two studs. Um the reason behind people saying one stud is it tends to be old school farriers or those taught by old school farriers will say the one stud is what we found purely because that's how they were taught and that was the done thing back in the day. Um, but they, they'll argue the horse's foot needs to pivot, which is completely true, but it needs to pivot around the centre point, not the point they've chosen. So if you've got one stud here, and it does its job and grips when you come over a jump. You've moved your pivot point from here to here, so you could cause an unnatural twist, which puts a lot of unnecessary strain through the leg, which could cause injury. Whereas with the two, yes, you're stopping that natural rotation, but you're also completely stopping that unnatural rotation. Plus, the other benefits of having the two is if you do slip, you go in a straight line, whereas, again, with the one, it twists things. And if you overstud, because it's easy to overstud, everyone everyone will do it at some point. With two, you just lift the heel, which is a natural movement the fetlock joint makes, and it can cope with that. Whereas one, it lifts it at an angle, and then again, you put unnecessary strain in a different way on the on the leg. Um, so we we and myself, we would always recommend you put the two studs in, and then like I say, front and back. A lot of people say you always want to stud at the back. Very controversially, I would always stud the front over the back 
purely because as a rider, you will feel the back end slip. And I know it's not ideal, but you can control that to a degree by just slowing up a little bit when you come into the fence. If the front end slips, there's not much you can do. Um, so I would always stud the front over the back. In an ideal world, you'd stud all round. I personally like something just a little bit smaller in the front and bigger in the back because you, do, you don't want to stop dead on impact. You want to slide a little bit on landing. Otherwise, if you do stop straight away, you put a lot of strain through the legs and the rider's more than likely going to go straight over the ears. So you want to slide a little bit to avoid that. But you want just enough that you can check coming into the fence. Oh, my word. That's really interesting. Who'd have thought put, putting them in front over the back, whereas everybody, you know, they put them in the back. Right. Yeah. Let me um, see if I can be organized and share my screen. So this is what I feel like um, Family Fortunes, our survey said. Um, uh, has that come up for you, Alex? Yes, it has. Yeah, it has. So um, look at this. The discussion came up um, in favor of, you know, the survey was the same as you. Most people said one on the outside and one on the inside of the branch. Um, There's quite a high proportion, though, that said one just on the outside of the shoe, um, which is interesting. Um, The fronts, none on the fronts. And some of the reasons for that were that obviously some of the horses might be barefoot um, or they only shod behind. And then other, um, there were some people and I did not anticipate that we were going to get these I, I think I can guess where you're going to go. Oh, go on then. They use three studs. Yes, or more. And do you yes. know why? I don't know the reasons behind it. I've just started hearing more and more people using three studs. Well, Personally, I don't know the benefits of using the three. It was for the those people were the snow and ice people. Oh. They had more and more studs. So, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. And then if we have a look at the same on the hind shoes and there was more of a proportion that had a pair of them on the um, hind shoes. I have heard with the fronts that the um, a, a point about why you don't have them on the inside of the front is to do with the interference on the girth and coming up and yeah. potentially. So a lot of people that we found tend to be concerned that the horse might catch themselves or mm. bring their legs up too high and stud themselves. So what we'd recommend is, as I say, you always want small in the front. So if that's a concern, then you tend to just stick really small. Um, and uh, especially when they're lifting the legs up, jumping, it, they might catch themselves. But the smaller studs, it's going to be harder for them to hit themselves. Plus, it's more likely to be a bruise. Mm. Regarding the horse catching themselves, which is why a lot of people tend not to like putting a stud on the inside. It's perceived to be a massive problem. And wrong it is a massive problem if your horse does it it's very uncommon for a horse to catch themselves uh, by standing on themselves but if that's a concern then what we'd recommend is you just put more of a round stud or a slightly smaller stud on the inside because mm-hmm. as i say if they catch themselves it's a bruise not a puncture wound and by having the two you just get that extra grip to give you back well, you get you get the extra grip when you're going out competing um, and don't get the all those twisting factors that potentially could harm the leg. Um, so I know it is a it is a very big concern of people, and a lot of people out there have said to me they only put one in purely because of that. But as I said, we um, we used to sponsor a triple Olympic gold medalist, and out of the hundreds of horses he had, I think he only ever had three that caught that stood on themselves or caught themselves with his studs. Mm. And he said 
to avoid that, I just simply put a smaller stud in or, or a rounder stud and I then don't get that puncture wound. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And going to um, in deeper into your point about the, the slip, we do know that the actual uh, mechanics of the horse are that when they go through the early start of their stance phase, there is a amount of glide and slip in you know natural horse whether it's barefoot or shod and if you put anything that stops that so they've done research where they've had rubber shoes um, which have less no more friction less grip uh, then what happens is that there is more force from that um, ground reaction going up through the leg which can then you know create damage through either the the bony structures or the soft tissue ones so yeah to allow that little bit of sit slip that has been evidenced in the research. Um, as far as I could, um, so I'm throwing this one at you, but as far as I could find, there was only one paper on studs that's been published and that purely talked about slide on the sagittal plane, so on the forward and back. And they said, yes, if you put in a single stud, you reduce the slide. There's still slide, but there's a lot less slide. What they didn't do was to compare two shoes, um, yeah. two holes or uh, small studs, big studs, anything like that. So um, there's nothing to actually evidence what you're saying, uh, yeah. but there's also nothing against it, if you know what I mean. I'm, I'm sort of trying to say that at the moment it has to be done on our own experience or on advice, really. Yeah. Well, regarding the two stud holes, um, a lot of farriers that are now trained through farrier schools are taught to standardly put the two studs in because, it, as I say, it's now thought that the two is actually better for the horse and going to cause less potential injuries uh, than having the one, um, which is why when I say it tends to be your old school farriers or farriers taught by old school farriers that that recommend the one stud, because back in that those in back when they were trained that was mm. a done thing. Mm. Not to string a lame horses everywhere for, by having the one stud in, um, that was that was normal, but now people are starting to find that actually it's a bit better for the horse and they tend to go a bit better by having the two in. Well, this is a bit of a plug then, isn't it, for more research into the <laughs> comparison or or at least repeating the study that they did with one stud, with two studs, but actually looking at that torsion, looking at the rotation, which we can do now because we have the kit that we can strap to the horse's legs. So, yeah, that's that needs to be done. Okay, so um debate over i think we're now going to go over to much easier and interesting area which is how to look after your stud holes so what do you recommend alex so personally when i was out competing i would use cotton wool and vaseline or equivalent mm-hmm. to stud holes um the problem with that is you could end up picking a load of wispy bits of cotton wool out um that's what i tended to use and there's, there's a lot of, I know there's so many different products. We don't have anything at the moment. We are trying to work on something, but we don't have anything at the moment. I hear a lot of people um, say the uh, rubber stud plugs um, work really well, but I found that 50% of people say they're brilliant. The other 50 will say they're useless. I've never used them again. A lot of people, uh, which I can't see on your um, list actually, is sheep's wool oh yeah bottom left there we um for those that are listening i've just shared the list of uh what people uh plug their stud holes with and as alex said cotton wool um so the 
I guess that's the most cost effective, isn't it? Oh, sheep's wool is cheap, but cotton wool torn from a roll bag. But um, yeah, quite a lot of people said sheep's wool, which I never would have yeah, thought. Uh, 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 Scott, I think it, I might be saying this wrong. Lanolin in it. Yes. So yeah, natural oils. oils. Yeah. It, it, and I can see you've got brass on your list. I hadn't heard of that until uh, Champs, actually, when uh, uh, this year. And a lot of people saying Brasso or Silver or whatever it's called yeah. is brilliant. Um, I can see you've got the studs that you tie them with an Allen key. The problem you've got with those is if the horse stands on something or like a stone in the field, if it damages the head of that or the where the Allen key goes in, or if it gets mm-hmm. something lodged in that you can't get out, that's then stuck in and you've got to get the farrier to come and take the shoe back off to get the plug out. Yeah. Um, but there's there's no Again, there's no right or wrong answers. You can see from from the um, from the answers given, everyone tries something different. And like I said, a lot of people say the rubber stub plugs are brilliant, but I then hear a lot of people go, they're useless, I wouldn't use them. Mm. It, it's personal preference. Um, like I say, I just used cotton wool, um, and that, that did me, but uh, <laughs> as, it's one of those, there's... Every every everyone's got a different answer on on what's yeah. best to use, and no one's wrong, but no one's probably got the perfect solution yet. No. But maybe one of those that is going to take quite a long time to get that perfect solution. Uh, personally, we've um, and in the past, and um, always used cotton wool and Vaseline. Um, that's I mean, it's the, it is a really cheap, easy option. Although I pre competition now when I'm having to think about child as well as horse and me um i now use the pre-bought cotton ones so they're quite good because they just come out all in one but you know they are more expensive so yeah so we we actually do uh stud that you can do everything the night before it's called our travel blank i call it the extra half hour in bed stud exactly the same uh, reason you give really yes you can do everything the night before put these studs in and if you know your horse doesn't box walk you can just do them finger tight if if not put your spanner on and with our studs they lock in place if you just mm. give them a bit of extra turn um so they won't fall out while you're traveling and all that um but they're very thin so that they don't wear the mats in your stable or in your um in the lorry, in the lorry or trailer yeah. um but it means you get to a show, everyone's there messing around trying to sort their studs out. You just unscrew those and screw your studs straight in. Because mm. I always, I will always say to people, well, if you get to a show and you find you've got a stone lodged in the, in the stud hole that you can't get out, say you've driven driven to Pony Club Champs, for example, yeah, not checked them, and you, it's a two-hour drive. You get all the way there and you can't compete your horse without studs in. As then a two-hour drive you wouldn't have made if, you, if you'd have known. So I always say to people, well, I I wouldn't be without those studs now. We didn't make them initially, but like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't go without them now because they're they're a lifesaver. You can like I say do everything the night before, yeah, and then everyone else is there stressing, trying to work out what studs to use, getting the horses like, oh, what's going on, bouncing yeah. around, yeah. You just you've got a nice easy life. You unscrew those and screw the studs straight in. Yeah, yeah, I certainly, you know, put a huh, good plug in huh, for the night before, you know, get get it all ready and prepared because um, I do them. It's quite interesting. You look around the car park of these events. I reckon it's definitely a dad job when you yes. see a pony club well, events. Again, there's probably no uh, no studies out there, but I think a lot of people would agree. The horses tend to be 
a bit more on edge, if you will, like yeah. what's yeah. going on. When you're at a yeah. show, when they're in their stable, they're nice and quiet and calm and relaxed. Mm. You do everything while they're there and relaxed. You've not got them, you're not trying to deal with them bouncing around while you're trying to screw something, screw the stud in. Yeah. Our, our travel blanks, they're not designed to be left in all the time. But if you were at a show for a couple of days and the horse is just in a stable, you could get away by just putting them in and leaving them in the stable. Um, obviously, being so thin, they will they will wear down if you were to go on a hack, for example, because that's mm. not what they're designed for. Um, but our studs are all hard, uh, made from a hardened steel, so they, they um, last a lot longer. So it's not a, oh, you'll use them once and they'll be gone. But like I say, if you go on a hack and forgot they were in, you might get back and find that you're going to struggle getting oh, them yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you need to go and put your longer term um, plug in there. Well, some yeah. people don't plug at all, but I just think, you know, mud and grit, it can damage the threads, can't it? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And that leads me um, quite nicely then to uh, the next slide I wanted to share. So I asked in the survey what the problems with studs were and um, 18 nearly 19% said they didn't have any problems, which is lovely. But by far the biggest problem was the thread issues, which um, I will ask you about uh, in a moment. But um, the one thing that I uh, was um, concerned about was that 28.6% said that there was a problem with human health putting studs in, and that was because they had back pain. Um, Then there were some shocking um, numbers to do with injuries to human feet or legs that Presumably the studs were going down through their feet, which is a little bit concerning. And then the horses um, studying themselves or or actually trying to put their foot down when you're tapping the stud out and you've got um, the tap in there. And you can just imagine what kind of damage that does to you, uh, does to the horse. So just um, coming back to you then, Alex, I'll stop sharing. You just tell me um, what what are your sort of thoughts about threads and looking after them and issues with them? So. The, the, as you say, the main issue tends to be getting the tap in um, because the problem with the tap is it's the cutting tool that the farrier will use when they put the thread in for you. Mm-hmm. Now, by use, constantly using a cutting tool, even if you line it up exactly as you're meant to, each time you run the tap down, you're taking away more and more metal, which makes your hot, the hot stud hole slightly bigger. I can see on the um, on the survey that some people commented the studs are falling out. Mm. That could be a contributing factor because, like I say, each time you're making the hole slightly bigger. So it could be that they have the horse shod and they the studs work fine for a, for a while. And then as as they get towards the end of that pair of shoes, 
that's when they notice the studs are falling out because the stud holes are a bit bigger. The, the hard bit by using the tap, again, is the horse is a live animal. It's going to be bouncing around, moving, and you have to get that tap exactly in line. Otherwise, when you start screwing it into the stud hole, you're then potentially going to cut a second thread, which then means you can't get anything in. Mm. It's exactly the same principle with self-tapping studs. If they're not lined up correctly, they'll cut a new thread themselves. You then can't get anything in. With our studs, the main difference is you don't need to keep doing that. Your farrow will do all that hard work for you. All you do is take out the plug, or if you're not using the plug, scrape out the excess dirt. I find like a, a bent nail from the farrow works really well. Pick up one of our studs and just screw it in. They've got a slot on the side, which is a cleaning edge. So as they go in, they scrape any excess dirt into the slot. So meaning you don't have to get all that dirt out first. Obviously, like I say, get get as much out as you can, but you don't need to make sure it's pristinely clean before you screw your studs in. Mm. Um, our studs, another difference is they've also got a recess on the top. So any little bits of grit that are in there sit in that recess rather than pushing into your horse's foot. And again, going back to the studs falling out, a lot of studs, uh, the th- if you look at the thread, it sort of just runs out and does, doesn't end. Well, I say it doesn't end. It, it ends a lot earlier than if you compare it to our studs. Our, our uh, threads go, uh, well, our studs are designed to go flush to the shoulder of the shoe. So when they stop, if you just turn them a little bit more, probably about a quarter of a turn, if that, they'll lock in place. So they only come out when you take them out. It's exactly the same principle as a bolt of a car engine. I, m- I may well have said this to you at Champs. You'd hope those don't fall out while you're going along. <laughs> exactly mm. the same principle. You shouldn't be going around a cross-country course and finding half your studs have gone. Mm. They're meant to be designed to stay in, which ours are. Um, so that's the main difference with our studs. A, a very common thing that people will say with any studs, if they're using ours, for example, is so you say it's um, self-cleaning it doesn't go in but in that situation it tends to be they either do a lot of road work without studs or live on stony ground and then they get what's called a road bow which is where the edge of their stud hole starts to close over Mm. and in that case nothing's going to go in you need a tap to take the take that road bow off so you can get the stud in because you're effectively closing the stud hole yeah yeah so what we'd recommend is a lot of farriers now are starting to put the uh, to do this anyway. We say ask your farrier to put a countersink on. It just turns the edge of the stud hole into into that shape, and it stops the road bow from happening. I also find it's a really good wear indicator because by the time that road that uh, chamfer has disappeared, it's about time to change the shoes. Um, mm-hmm. And we then find that if people do that, ninety nine percent of the time. No, I said 99, 99.9, for example, they tend to not have that issue. And they're, they, they, like I say, they'll think it's the studs to start off with. But in actual fact, it's when you dig a little bit deeper and find that, well, you do a lot of road work and they go, well, yeah, my stud holes have closed over a bit. I'll sort of do that and they won't have an issue. Um, that's that's what we find anyway. And that's, that tends to be quite a common a common thing that we find. They, they struggle to get the studs in. Um, a lot of farriers, mine as well, or my old farrier anyway, they don't like putting the countersink on because it's more work for them, but they will do it if you ask them to do it. A lot of people I find uh, tends to be at the shows, they struggle remembering the name of it for the whole day because it is a, it is a bit of a weird name, countersink. Um, 
but it does actually help a lot by putting that that on and presumably that's going to save the time that you're bent over trying to yeah. fiddle with the things when your horse is jumping around and you've got wet hands and you know the the problems that are causing people's back pain is the duration they are yeah um, yeah so by having if you take for example say you've got you've got the counter sink on and you're using our studs all you do is you just pick up the horse's foot like i say take out the plug or scrape out the dirt and then just screw the stud straight in and mm. Most of the time, you can do it just by finger, by screwing it in with your fingers, and then you just put your spanner on and give it a bit of a turn. And that's it done. Yeah. So it really does dramatically reduce the amount of time yeah. you're there bent over. Especially, I, I'd assume the longest part is trying to hold the foot still and make sure the tap's in line before you start screwing yeah. it in. Yeah, and the speed of trying to get it in and out before you know. Yeah. Horse, horse I, that's that's, a, that's a, always been a concern of mine. If you screw that tap in, the horse snatched its foot away. Mm-hmm. You've got a metal object that could hit someone and potentially cause injury to you or the horse, yeah. which could contribute to people getting injured uh, from the horse with studding up. But if it's if it stands on it and snaps it, you potentially got a big bet spill, yeah. which no one wants. No, um, no, by, exactly by no. stopping that, by by leaving the tap in the hands of, I say the professionals, leaving the hand the tap in the hands of the farriers, mm. it stops the all the potential potentials of of injury to you or the horse yeah yeah exactly and and just to reassure listeners here um myself and dr david marlin we do everything independently we aren't you know we're not paying for alex's time he's not paying for us and i you know the product review is um the the reason that i asked alex to talk about this because i had been having you know these dilemmas um the last season and this season starting to stud for my daughter I used to compete at a higher level and I used to stud myself but I've only just come back into the game now so I was quite excited to see that you know there has been evolution in these products and um just as a side you you've got something else that you mentioned to me that might be quite useful for our um, listeners to hear about yes the uh the shoe secure so that is it's not designed by us um we make studs for us and now the um, distributor for the product, um, it stops the horse from pulling the shoes off. So if you're trying to keep the, the shoes on the, on your horse for balance or remedial showing or whatever it is, these stop the horse from standing on the back of the shoe pulling it off. Similar to an overreach boot, but some I've have I have heard people use the overreach boot and the horse still gets the shoe off. Um, so the way these work is they just screw into your standard stud holes. They do need the two stud holes to work. They screw into the stud holes and stop the horse from standing on the on the back of the shoe. Uh, a lot of people will also still put the overreach boot on as well, because then if the horse stands on the overreach boot, it slides down the overreach boot, and by the time it's off the overreach boot, it's part way down the shoe secure, which then means it can't stand on the on the back of the um, shoe. And as I said to you before we uh, started recording. I was a bit sceptical. Does it really work? You you hear this as it just, uh, oh, give it a go. I had to use it on my horse because he was um, probably quite like quite a few horses. As soon as he'd pull a shoe off, he'd be there hopping lame because he couldn't walk on the hard ground. So we needed to try and keep the shoes on. So we used it because we were selling the products and make, uh, make the studs for it. And I was surprised at how well it worked. It really did stop him from pulling his shoes off. Um, and it, if you're trying to keep the the, uh, the shoes on, 
it it does save you money in the long run by not having to get the fire out all the time. Yeah, and protection of that hoof wall because especially as as you know we, as we learn more about uh, hoof balance and and how we want that shoe to to sit and uh, the weight coming through it, we know that we want to support those heels. So a longer shoe, which you know makes it more likely to be pulled off. So if anybody's used one of those or um, you know has got issues with shoes pulling off, let us know whether you get on okay. Right. So in summary, then, to what we said, um, when you uh, decide whether or not you need to use studs, you need to take your individual horse into account. And you have to um, use the smallest stud for those conditions. And not all horses need studs. And if you don't have any issues with slip or grip and your horse is balanced, you might not need them. Um, uh, There were some barefoot um, Shoe, owners of shoe horse oh, owners with owners with horses that were barefoot not them being barefoot um that obviously don't use studs and they were saying that their grip is absolutely fine and they don't need them so that's interesting there's another area for study isn't there um yeah. and then uh your recommendation was to have uh two stud holes in each of the shoes and uh my comment was that we need more research in that <laughs> Um, and then there uh, are ways of making the whole studying process easier. So in the, so the preparation of it and what you use and how you use that. Is that, does that sound all fair, Alex? Have I? Yeah, I think, I think it does. Yeah. Uh, one final thing I was going to say is if any of your listeners or viewers have any questions on studying, we have a helpline. So they feel free to ring us. Obviously, we can't say what the ground condition is going to be at a show in three weeks' yeah. time. Yeah. But we can help give advice about which stud to use. Um, we're we're not a hard sell company. We sell on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. You don't have to use our product, but if you just need a bit of help and advice on what to use when, give us a call and we'll do our best to help. Yeah. Or, or if you see us at a show and you're not sure, come and speak to us. Yeah, and go and grill Alex, who's obviously yeah. quite good at answering <laughs> questions from stressed mothers. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, thank you ever so much, Alex, for joining us. And we'll put all the um, links to him in the show notes. And yeah, thank you very much for listening. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website. Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.